Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. All right, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and just tell you right up front that this is the interview that you're going to want to come back to when you're having a bad day and you feel like throwing in the towel because today's guest, Mike Bishota, has a phenomenal story because he spent 10 years in prison for you know a poor choice he made at 18. You guys, stop and think about how you felt at 18 and to be looking at 10 years in prison. And there was there was no sentence shortening in this, um, but his story is phenomenal. He made a real conscious choice to turn his life around. And that's why you're going to love this interview because he's got a phenomenal online business now. He and his wife are doing it together. And I've got to pull the snippet out. But wait till you hear the story about them digging in garbage to find stuff to sell on Craigslist because he couldn't get a job, right? You guys, this is a great interview. You're going to love Mike. You're going to love his energy. And I'm just super excited to be sharing his message and his story with you today. So uh, stay tuned for the end. You'll get links. And Mike and I will be doing a webinar. Uh, we haven't set a date yet, but I think you're going to love this. So again, enjoy the interview. Stay tuned to the end. And we've got some links for you. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick Podcast. Uh, super excited, as always, right? Like, I, I can't pick one guest over the other, but they're all fabulous. And I've been talking to you guys a lot lately about content and content strategy and content marketing and the importance that that plays in your business, right? Part of content, of course, is the story and the storytelling. And today's guest is Mike Pashota. And holy moly, he's got a fabulous story. Awesome guy, fabulous energy. But, you know, his story is a really big piece of what drove him to get his business going. So first of all, Mike, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, cool, Kim. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to share the story and talk business. Business, yes. Business. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but my audience is used to my random uh, outbursts here. So, so cool that I, I think uh, if that's what your audience is used to, I think then we'll they'll enjoy the both of us just going off each other. Then, Let's okay, do perfect. It. You know, and just to point out too to everybody listening, you know, this is another element that I think often gets overlooked in online businesses is connections and relationships. And we connected through a mutual friend, Joshua Sprague. So what up, Joshua? Thank you so much for this awesome connection. Um, but yeah, let, let's just jump in, Mike. I, I Let's talk before we get into your business that, and it's you and your wife, Robin, that run your business, correct? Yes, it is. Awesome. Okay. So, so share, do you mind sharing your story that, that brought you to where you're at today? Yeah, for sure. So, um, the story is, is <laughs> it's, it could be a long one, but I'll, I'll keep it as condensed and as really focused on some of the important parts. Um, you know, at 18 years old, I'd found myself, I woke up in a jail cell with no idea of what had happened to me, what I'd done, why exactly I'd found myself there. And, you know, life up until the age of 18 was just filled with drugs and negativity. You know, my home environment, you know, was not by any means the best. Definitely no entrepreneurial spirit going on, no real success minded or any of these things. And so, at 18, I found myself facing a lot of time in prison, and it 
it really woke me up and the situation turned where they did sentence me to 10 years in prison. And um, as anybody can imagine, listen, and that's like obviously a scary thing. And being 18, you know, it's a really, you know, kind of sensitive age. You really haven't found yourself. And that one of the things like 50 years at 18 years. Yeah, I, I, I remember like one of the things that was a dominant feeling was like this is more than half of the life I've already lived. Like like the age of 28 at 18 was so far away. And so I just remember a, a lot of times fighting the feeling of overwhelm because, you know, that 18 to 28 is usually when people are starting careers, they're getting their lives settled, they're getting married, they're having kids. And I just remember thinking, wow, like what the heck is going to happen to me when I come out of here? I'm going to be 28. The whole world will have passed me by. All of my peers are going to be far established and settled. And it was scary. It was definitely a scary thing and a, and a challenging thing. But there was this one kind of kind of pivotal day that I remember that really set the entire tone of what I used my time to do. And it was, I was young, I was only 19. I had just moved from the county jail right after they sentenced me. They then sentenced me, they sent me over to the state prison facility. And I was in my room cell working out, um, having this internal conversation with myself and with God and kind of reflecting on where I was in life and what was ahead of me. And I just remember making this internal commitment that I had given them 10 years of freedom. That was my choice. My mistakes had put me in that situation, but I was not going to give them 10 years of life. Ooh, okay. And so what that meant for me and how that shaped it was at that moment, I'd made an internal commitment and it wasn't a commitment that I made that day and never made it again. It was a commitment that I had to make every day. But what that commitment looked like was even though I'm behind bars, even though I'm behind razor wire and fences and the world is passing me by, I still have life. I still can use these 10 years to change who I am, to change the way that I think, to change the perspective on life that I have. And so what I did is I just immersed myself in everything, self-help, personal development, spiritual development that I could. I, I just just studied the Bible. I studied business. I studied marketing. I dug deep into exercise and weight training and learning multiple foreign languages. Anything that I could use my time to improve myself and prepare myself for any opportunity that life would present on the other side of those fences is what I did. God, that totally, you know, it made me think of um, Viktor Frankl and the man's search for meaning, right? He was um, uh, in Auschwitz uh, during World oh. War II. And he was, he was a, uh, he became a psychiatrist. And bear with me, audience, if I don't tell you I have the story right. Um, and I'd, well, I'd like to read the story. It's just, it, it's intense, right? Like, I could only watch Schindler's List once, and important, but heartbreaking. Definitely. But basically, he realized that the one thing that was going to help him survive was between his ears, right? And so he, he went about saying to himself, look, I, I know that they can do whatever they want to my body, whatever, but at the end of the day, like, he realized there was this, this space between when something was asked of him and how he responded, right? And so he became friends. Like he went out of his way to to befriend the guards and what and he was spared his life. And and what wow. he's done with it after then. It's a very powerful story. And obviously I'm not comparing Auschwitz to please everybody to <laughs> to, you know, Mike's story. But again, we have a conscious choice, right? To 
to respond to what happens to us, regardless of whether we put ourselves in that position or it's we're, we're put into a position, right? But you made a real conscious choice, it sounds like, that, hey, I'm here. Here's what I'm going to do with it. Exactly. And, you know, just for everybody listening, it's it's one of those things where, you know, that choice was challenged almost every day, either from violence that surrounded me or from, you know, the guards and the officers who just, you know, they really have an attitude that we belong there and we're all, you know, pieces of garbage and we'll always be that. So there was constant like attack and like haters, if you will. And I kind of like to use the, the idea of like crabs in a bucket, right? Like I was one of those crabs and I'm trying to get out of the bucket and all the other crabs, the guards, the officers, the other inmates, they're desperately fighting to hold me in the bucket because I really believe at the end of the day, what I saw was my striving and commitment to change who I was and change everything internally and whatever I could control really removed all the other's excuses. Mm -hmm. And it makes people really uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. Anytime I think oftentimes when you see people getting frustrated or angry or responding to something, it's it's because it's mirroring something in themselves. And so by you trying to strive and better your life, right, people are thinking, Oh God, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it it just, you know, the story is, you know, is really powerful. And when I share it, I really like to point to the fact that though the story is kind of a pretty dramatic example of failure, and we're going to get into talking about some of the successes on the business side. um, But, you know, people have shared with me anytime I've shared the story that it, it kind of just awakens them to the realization that, you know, we all have little prisons, whether it's our cubicle, whether it's, you know, anger that we struggle with or whatever it is that kind of holds us back. And it's one of those things where we always have a choice that we can let that thing make us, define us, break us, or we can let it make us better people. And we can let that thing kind of be the catalyst or the catapult that pushes us over into greatness and into success. Let me ask you this though, because you did address, um, you did address that it was something you had to recommit to almost daily, right? Uh-huh. Because my guess is, you know, and it's funny. I actually went through an experience last week uh, with a mentor who does a lot of energy and clearing, and so clearing blockages and stuff. And it kind of turned me upside down, and it sort of wrecked <laughs> my week, for lack of a better explanation. <laughs> and through it, though, you know, it, because again, it's I think as entrepreneurs, it's very easy to feel like you know, you got to hustle, you got to hustle. And, and <laughs> I was joking around, like, I am retiring the hustle. I don't mind working hard. But there's something about the definition of hustle that makes me feel like it's never enough, right? Mm. And I do have this innate trust in how we show up in the world. And but the thing is, so it's even whether it's this very difficult situation, like, what would you say to somebody, though, who obviously hasn't had, you know, your story necessarily, but you know, that prison in our heads, right? And every day, it's like, is there something you did or something you found that helped you to recommit each day? Yeah, I, I, that's a really good question. And and I, I really love just to touch real quick on what you shared about the hustle. Like, I really, really, really enjoy that. It's something that's kind of a motto, if you will, that my wife and I live by just freedom, you know, freedom is really big, as you can imagine, it's, mm-hmm. it's it, obviously <laughs> yeah. for me. I, 
You know, like freedom like, is very important to me, it's right? It's real so, to me. So, <laughs> so people really do. They get caught up in that hustle, that, that hustle and, and it's like it's never enough. And I would say to the people that are listening that do struggle with that, I think the thing that keeps people struggling with it is we begin to isolate ourselves and we feel as though we're the only one. Totally. And what happens is, is it kind of perpetuates the guilt, right? Like if I feel like, well, I'm the only one that struggles with this, then I feel alone. Then I feel guilty because I'm not like other people and I'm not either doing this or I'm not being this or I'm not. Why but don't I have really, six figure launches? Why aren't I not making 50 grand a day? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and oh my goodness, I, I just was commented on somebody's post that we were kind of joking about like drinking margaritas with laptops on the beach and all of this fancy stuff because the thing that people really need to realize, and I know the online entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, use Facebook and we see a lot of this stuff, and and the thing that people really need to realize is a lot of that stuff you see is kind of like people's best foot forward, or in some cases, unfortunately, it's not the entire truth and it's a false foot forward. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it and it really is, and and it's and it's kind of sad that people like that they allow that to affect them, and I think really is you know we all struggle with it. Even you know I have buddies that I'm good friends with that have done like big launches. I know just because I know them personally, and some launches they've done were less than big, and even they struggle with some of the same feelings. So. If you're listed into this and you have been one of those that have compared yourself or struggle with some of those feelings or seen things online and like, wow, why is that not me or why not? Just remember that you're not the only one. All of us on any level struggle with those same things. And it really just comes down to recognizing it, making a choice not to be controlled or consumed by it, but allow it to fuel you, you know, allow it to press forward. And I think this would tie into what you said, Kim, about the hustle is learn how to enjoy the small victories, you know, learn how to enjoy like the small things that you did today, the things that you accomplished. Instead of always looking at what the next thing is, take some time to enjoy those small things right now. Oh, my God. Amen. I totally feel like doing like a hallelujah <laughs> chorus with that one. Awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I do think people don't look at it. It's funny. I was speaking with another mentor um, at the end of last week and because I, I personally struggle with that a lot. Like, am I do, I'm not doing enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. Or I'm not doing this because I, I like the quality of my life a lot. Right. And I, I work a lot, but at the same time, I really, I, I enjoy what I've created. And so part of that has been really stepping back and honoring. And she said to me, she goes, well, Kim, what is it? What in your life is missing? I was like, oh, my new car. She goes, well, go get it this weekend. I'm like, no, <laughs> I, you know, just cause I know how I want to do it. But at the same time, so for me to be able to stand here and say, literally that that's the only thing like everything else is great like and i'm not i like nice stuff but i'm not driven by it it doesn't you know i like experiences more but the point being is i think to your you know to your comment is to really celebrate i, I think it's phenomenal i love that god mike i feel like i could talk to you all day okay so <laughs> let's get into your business um so okay so you're studying online business first of all let me ask you did you have to serve all 10 years yes day for day all years all of it. And I'll just, just really quick explain why. And it's very, very interesting. There's almost kind of some divinity behind the entire story. Like the time that I committed the crime, there was a gun involved. And I'm in the state of Florida and they had literally passed this law called 1020 life that if a gun is used at any point, possessed, not discharged, just you, like if it's present, it's an automatic 10 years, no matter what, there's no explanations, no nothing. That is it cut and dry, done. That law had literally passed 
like five weeks before my crime had taken place. If it would have been six weeks earlier, the most they would have been able to give me was like four years. So yeah, it was 10 years all the way through. Wow. Okay. So, so take us to, and you, you know where you want to go with this, but like, you know, you get out and first of all, when did you, when did your wife come into the picture? If you don't mind me asking, this would be the week. This whole part here could be an entire episode. I met my wife at about the two and a half year mark in my sentence. Oh, wow. And my wife was a radio DJ for a Christian hip hop and R and B station that we listened to inside the prison. And I'll, this is a, this is a huge part of the story that it could be long, but I'll just sum it up really quickly in that I had my mom call her one night to just kind of give us and a group of guys that listen to the show inside the prison, give us some shout outs and play a couple of requested songs for us. And my wife being, you know, an agent of change and somebody who is driven by impacting people was so moved and like blown away by the fact that her show was reaching into the prison because she all she knew about prison and jail was what you see on TV. She thought literally like we eat bread and drink water. Behind <laughs> bars. Like that's her. That's all that she, you know, because she, you know, it's TV like she'd never been exposed. Hitting limestone to, and making license. plates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly like we're chained like to a, a piece of brick that we carry around and this kind of stuff. So she was so affected by that. And we started I started writing letters to her just kind of sharing my story. And it took her quite a while to write back. Obviously, you could imagine, you know, all the stereotypical ideas and stuff. <laughs> totally. And um, like, and how many, my, how many wives has has Manson had in prison? Anyways, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know when when, when we finally actually did start like the process of like talking to one another like that, if you will, you know, she faced tons of flack, but it wasn't like my goal never was like to go there with her. I knew I had a lot of time left, and. I just knew I didn't need that. I didn't want to like bring somebody into that world with me. But we, after writing for months and months and months, just a connection was there enough where we said, let's meet in person and just talk and just see. And here we are. Um, I've been home almost seven years now. We have two beautiful kids and a thriving business. So that's kind of the short side of how we met. But it did happen. Um, we got married a month and a half after I'd come home. Her dad actually married us. Wow. Beautiful wedding on the beach, lots of people, beautiful dress, breeze blowing. It was almost a storybook experience. I just have to tell you, Mike, first of all, Robin, shout out to you, girl, because <laughs> I, I, well, seriously, I, I think it takes a real, I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. And like, I literally have goosebumps. What a beautiful family for her family to be so open and accepting. And I, you know, I do think that there are a lot of people that just couldn't see past, you know, the initial incident or, or whatever happened. And so, just kudos. What an awesome, what an awesome story. And it sounds like what a beautiful family. Well, thank you. I'll pass that along to her. Absolutely. Well, she better listen to this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, well, next time we need to do it, she, we'll get Robin on. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest, you know what? She's actually my number one fan. I do a lot of interviews about my story by myself and she always, you know, she'll listen to them and, you know, she if I'm not home, she'll text me and, you know, something sweet or love like, oh, that's why I love you for this or that. And so she's, she's definitely my number one fan. Awesome. Although I'm, I'm a little intimidated since she was a radio DJ, but we'll, we'll move forward. <laughs> okay. So let's, so what, where in this story or, or at what point did you say, I'm going to create an online business? So here's what happened, right? Like it didn't really happen. It, like I didn't just wake up one day and decide that. So I come home from prison, right? It's, it's early 2009. And just to give everybody listening some perspective, while I was in prison, a couple of things 
came onto the scene that did not exist in the world that I left. And those things are Google, Facebook, Twitter, flat screen TVs, <laughs> iPods, iPhones, internet on your phone, all of these things. So I walk out of prison to a world that is so fast and so far ahead of me, I, it was at some point it was overwhelming. And and again, for the people that are listening, I want to share the vulnerability side so that, you know, those of you that struggle like so I had a huge learning curve and it, it tried to overwhelm me. It tried to discourage me that you're not going to be able to catch up. You're never going to learn this stuff. And I just dug in and started you know, I got a laptop, just started trying to just figure out what's going on and what people are doing and what what's available to us. And at the same time, you know, my wife and I had to pay bills. So she had she was working at a art gallery um, and from a former client because she had started a brick and mortar business while I was in prison, which took a big hit right when the economy tanked because it was locally driven. So when I had come home, she was working there. I was trying to get a job and I thought I was a little naive. Uh, you know, I was pretty optimistic thinking that, you know, folks would look past, you know, my record and they would yeah. see my skills, my attitude, you know, my positivity, my commitment. And they would initially they would get excited and then they would not call me back and wouldn't hire me. And so at the same time, my wife wound up losing her job because of her being married to an ex-con. So we found ourselves broke. Wow. No jobs. I was going to say, whole, in the state of California, that would be a lawsuit yesterday. Like, you can't, but anyway. <laughs> I'm yeah, like, how it, she it, was, it was fired because of that blows me away. But Well, yeah. it was never, like, openly, but it was, yeah. there was, like, some under stuff that happened. And so what happens is, is we find ourselves broke with bills, jobless. I can't get a job. And so we, we did what we kind of think any, you know, savvy, doesn't want to work for the man entrepreneur would do. And we started selling trash on Craigslist. And so, <laughs> what we did, so what we did, so here's where the story takes another very cool turn. So we would literally go out on the nights that were trash nights and we would find, now we didn't like dig into dumpsters, but we would drive around and people would set like flat screen computer monitors or a vacuum or a printer. And we would get them and we'd put them on Craigslist. And at that time, you're like your own version of American Pickers. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's not antiques. I'm like, this is yeah. awesome. That's yeah. And so what we did, but we had a goal though. And here's the thing that for people listening, we did that for two reasons. One, we didn't want to get jobs, neither of us, and we had to pay bills. And we also knew that there was a lot of things were moving in new directions. This is like, you know, 2009. So like Facebook was just starting to become popular for, mm -hmm. for business and Twitter. Like people were starting to get the like idea, like, wow, this could really work. And we recognized that and said, Hey, we need to use this. And so we poured every free dime that we got into our first website, into like a local chamber of commerce membership, into just getting a business going and getting ourselves online. And, that's kind of where we went from there. And so we built that business, which is not the same as we are in right now. We built that business to doing done for you services. So what we did is we started building websites for clients. We started doing like landing pages, Facebook ads, a lot of like the done for you stuff mm -hmm. for clients. And the good thing is, is that we got to play with a lot of big budgets. We got a lot of our clients, you know, had big budgets. They were really well known in like the coaching consulting space. So we got to test a lot of ideas and develop strategies with other people's money. Okay. So two things. First, I want to back way up just a little okay. bit because one thing you said that I think is so important for people to listen to 
or to just take note of is when you were talking about looking for a job and and nobody was going to hire you and you said it tried to get me down, but I wouldn't let it. I, I love the fact that you separated it, that you are not that experience. I, I think that mm. differentiator is key because truly like when those, I, I think when we're faced with, with challenges and frustrations, it's really easy to be like, God, I'm a failure. I'm this. And instead you looked at this experience and other people's judgment and it was outside of you. I think that's beautiful, Mike. I just think so. I well, just, thank you. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's, that's a really key point to bring out. I didn't even kind of really make that connection, but as you shared that, that is true. And for the folks that are listening, yeah, like the doors that shut in your face or the people that naysay or, you know, especially being entrepreneurs, like how many of our families are like right behind us going, yeah, you should totally do that crazy idea you got. Like, you know, they're usually not very supportive, but at the end of the day, like that's not you. Like they're, you know, naysaying or judgment or shut doors in your face. Or That's their fear not- or their fear. Right. Because uh, I mean, my family has been super supportive and I'll never forget. I'm sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> I was you sitting with my mom once and she was, as I was getting my business going and, I, and it was just, you know, my I'm widowed. I've got two kids. They're worried about me. And it's just like, well, maybe you should get like a part-time job at Starbucks or something. And I'm like, mom, <laughs> said, I will walk away from this house first. And God bless her, right? They've nothing but love for my back. But again, at the same time, I come from, you know, very hardworking. My dad's a retired police officer, my mom. So it's one of those that, you know, it's kind of like trying to take, you know, running advice from somebody in a wheelchair. And I'm not knocking that. <laughs> but again, it's it's taking business advice from someone who's never started a business. You have to lovingly know that they're coming from this place of concern for the most part, right? Or yeah. it's their own fears. It's really not about you, like you were saying. And, and I totally agree. And that's really key, I think, for, for the folks to listen, just to realize that, like, hey, you know, it's not really it's not about you. Like we talked earlier, sometimes it's displaced fear. Like, you know, they see it and maybe it's threatening or maybe it awakens a fear or you know, there could be a million things going on, but just don't internalize it and don't make it about you. Absolutely. Okay. So what I want to ask you as we start diving a little bit more into your business. So you said you guys had this opportunity to start, you know, playing with big budgets and getting your hands on where did those clients come from? How did you transition from Craigslist to done for you? I get that you guys were doing it for yourselves, but I mean, how did you go about getting clients and finding people to do these services for? Uh, we did a couple of things. One of the main things my wife and I used to do is uh, we used to use a site called Elance way yep. back in the day. And we'd go on there and I was like part of my morning ritual was to surf the boards and pick out because there's a lot of bad <laughs> opportunities on there. So I would pick <laughs> out, you know, they want 5,000 like, Twitter followers for five cents. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Something ridiculous like that. So I would purposely pick out ones that look to be high quality and just reach out to the folks and we'd get clients that way. And as well as locally, we would start to get some clients and what happened is that we found that when we started serving a couple of clients, then word of mouth and they would refer. And so that done for you business really, it, it went well as far as monetarily, we broke it to multiple six figures. So from a financial side, we were fine. There was no, you know, no need at all from that side, but we found ourselves, like you said earlier in this hustle. And we found ourselves that the only way to grow this is to work more hours like we're because we were in this trading hours for dollars model and it really kind of stuck home to my wife and I during Christmas of 2000 I think it was 2011 maybe 12 I forget exactly which year but it was we were in Michigan and that's where my wife's family's from and they live like in the middle of absolute nowhere there's like a population of 250 people there's a gas station and a church down in town and her dad's the pastor of the church. So at their house, there's no internet. So during this 
we're supposed to be on vacation. We got our, our 10-month-old son with us. We're supposed to be enjoying the holidays. And every day we have to drive down the hill, get stuck in the snow just to check the email and do client work. And yeah. we look at each other and we go, wow, what we did is we built another prison for ourselves. We're slaves to our business. And we made a decision that was very scary. We said we are firing all of our clients we're going to completely remodel our business to do the thing that we're most passionate about, and that is teaching, consulting, strategic development, and that's that's where we are now. And it's been probably about th- three years and change in doing that, but it was it was just kind of you know just one of those things where you have to realize like what do I want for my life? Like what do I want for my business? And like you said earlier, that hustle. It's like you know my life looks good. You know what do I want to create? Mm-hmm. You know. I'm sitting here because I ha- I never when I started my business in 2008 like I had I didn't ever intend to do websites for anybody same thing and I think it's a quick easy thing and I fell in love with WordPress at the same time I've I've grown to the point where I'm not involved but yet I'm still kind of involved right like I've got a whole team and we've got an outsourcing company but it to step back and say what do I want and tell me if if you feel this too is that with with you guys obviously your strengths are in the consulting and the coaching and the teaching and the guiding. And when you do that, it opens up a floodgate, right? Like it's like, it's just flood things flow. I find when you are following your intention and your inspiration, I would absolutely have to agree to that. And it's, and really, I think my wife and I all along like knew like what the, the thing that we really love is the teaching side. Like even in prison, I actually developed my very first entrepreneurial experience was while I was in prison. I learned how to speak Spanish and I learned very quickly. And I actually developed a program in in prison to teach the other guys Spanish. And I actually charged them. They'd pay me like ramen noodle soups and tuna to <laughs> Them <laughs> to teach them. Yeah, it's so funny, but it was, um, and, and these guys would learn it. So it was teaching was always my passion and my wife is very similar. And the reason that it kind of went is because like you shared, you know, when we started our business, we were kind of scrappy, you know, we kind of were like, Hey, we just need to pay the bills. We can't get jobs. And you know, we got a kid, we just need to do what we, whatever we can do to pay the bills and just keep things going. And then you kind of find, you know, you follow what's, you know, what's working and, and what's happening. And then you find yourself not necessarily intentionally in a spot, but it's kind of where you've gotten. And then, you know, we were in a spot enough to say, this isn't exactly where we want to be. Let's make some shifts. God, that's huge. And it takes courage, right? I, I think to fire, I've only fired a handful of clients, but it takes courage to say, yeah, we're done, you know, or you know what, here's, this is where we're at. And let's part ways or whatever that looks like. It takes a lot of courage to do that. So, all right, so let's talk about, so you guys decided to make this big shift, right? And what were, what did it look like? I'm guessing you just based on listening to your story and who you are, you know, that you guys mapped it out, you did some goals and that kind of stuff. What was that like stepping into that new space for you and going from this this done for you to, I'm assuming more of a, I don't know, the, the price ranges of your stuff, but look, we're going to do more of a consulting. What did that look like and what were some of the challenges you faced? Well, there's two sides. The first side was it was extremely freeing, like sending those emails to clients and saying, hey, you know, after this next 30 days, we're done. Like when we hit send writing it was scary, but when we hit send, it was like the chains were free. We we're like, wow, oh my, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're doing this. It's like, okay, we're doing it. And, on. and here's something that my wife and I learned very early on. And this is a really good tip for the folks listening. And I know for certain 
that you can would, would really probably relate to this and go, yeah, absolutely. There's something about making like burning the burning the ships, if you will, with, where you make that commitment where there's no way to turn back. Yep. <laughs> and we've done it. We've done it with hiring high end coaches and mentors where we've put five, 10 or twenty thousand dollars out there scared to death. Like, holy crap, do we really have this? And then you do it. And what happens is. I found this throughout our experience as entrepreneurs. When we've made those like no turning back commitments, it kind of creates that fire in us to make it right. Like we, I remember my wife and I, when we very, the very first mentor we hired, we didn't have it. We put it on a credit card. It was $5,000 and we were scared to death. But the investment in that created a commitment in us that said there's absolutely no way that we will not turn this investment into a massive profitability. We will do everything we can to make this work. And I think that there's a tremendous amount of power for folks because a lot of folks get stuck for years and they never take that one step because of fear. But if you take that step, a lot of times it, it just empowers you to make the decision right. You know, one of my, I love that. And one of the directions I'm going in is there's just, just show up, right? The, everything about me, hmm. that's half the battle to me is just show up, right? And that means you, you show up and you do the work, right? So you're saying, I made this investment and there are times that, you know, I'm in a, in a mastermind and there are times where I'm like, I didn't get as much done during the last week before the call. And it's like, show up on the call, get back on path. And then there are other times where I show up for myself in the sense that, I need to take, I need to just head down right now, right? I need to focus. Mm. I don't need anything external. I just want to dive in a little bit. But I think for you guys, it was like, we made this investment. We're going to show up and do the work, whatever that looks like with the intention. Here's the other thing. And this might be getting a little woo-woo for people, but this intention to make back your investment and then a profit. Definitely. That's it's so important. I think it's one of probably one of the most valuable lessons that my wife and I have learned just about ourselves in business is, you know, whenever we're faced with, you know, with sometimes challenging decisions, we've just kind of learned that, you know, what we can wrestle with it. We can go back and forth and debate the, the this and then that. But if 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 we really feel like, you know, what this this is good, but there's some fear attached to it, make the decision and then make it right. Okay, so let's talk about some tangibles, right? So you guys do give me a couple examples of how people can work with you and and how you went about launching that that service or that opportunity. So the first side is my wife and I have a flagship program that we just recently launched. It's called Funnel Fanatics and it is all things online funnel. It's very very in depth, it's a group program, so there's kind of a hybrid of like live coaching with my wife and I, as well as a membership portal with training, which we update continuously. So it's an ongoing program. Um, that's kind of like the flagship thing. And then folks do hire us for like one-on-one consulting if they're getting ready to launch something, launch a book, launch a program. Um, we work with folks in the e-commerce space that are just looking to utilize online marketing to drive sales. So the other side of your question, the launching it side. So what we did is we sat down with a web developer who's our in-house guy. We've known him for years. And we said, hey, we're tearing down the old site. We're completely rebuilding it. So we rebranded. We launched. And one of the things that my wife and I kind of utilized was the connections that we'd had doing the done for you. So we had a lot of folks that we'd known well and worked with. So we decided that, you know what? 
if we want to get known on the scene as coaches, as consultants, we need to kind of do it with a bang. And so we put together a, a virtual telesummit with a lot of big, big name speakers back in 2012, 13. I don't remember the exact year. So that was kind of like our coming out party. It was kind of like, boom, we're on the scene and it worked extremely well. We got a very large amount of exposure and you know, just attraction in a very focused amount of time. And I think it was one of the things that just helped us kind of rise quickly. All right. So what would you say? So let's say somebody is is kind of doing that, you know, they're shifting directions a little bit. And so it sounds like so when you say you wanted to leverage some of your contacts from the, the done for you, what would you tell somebody who maybe didn't have those contacts? Like, you know, how do you go out there and make a name for yourself? And I know that's a really big open-ended question, <laughs> but, you know, if anything, well, there's, there's that, a gut there, response. There, there's actually a process that my wife and I follow in anything that we do. And we currently have a couple e-commerce stores that we just started that are kind of niched. We have the consulting business. And anything that we do or any clients that we work with, we always tell them, you know, start small. The thing that a lot of folks don't realize when it comes to online, because there's so much noise out there and so many different options like there's Twitter, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. The thing that you need above all is an audience. And a lot of folks getting started don't have enough money or a lot of money to build their own audience. The thing that is most valuable is to leverage other people's audiences. So if you're just getting started, maybe you don't have context. Look for opportunities to provide value to other people's audiences that can you can get in front of. Like opportunity, like right here, doing podcasts, getting on summits, just getting out there is going to be your fastest track to getting exposure. You know, it's crazy as you say that. It's funny because I just did this guest post for WP Elevation and I was talking about um, being honest with your clients, do them a favor and yourself. But <laughs> there, were, there was a story in there about a, a client I recently worked with, loved what they were doing, but they got so caught up in making money off of advertising. Like we went down this massive rabbit hole with this GOIP and all this stuff. Anyways, the point is that, you know, we spent all this time and energy on this, but they had zero traffic plan. And my point was I should have stood up and said, stop. How are you going to do traffic? And, you know, when I always look at it, I'm like, you guys start your Facebook page while we're building the site out, start creating relationships, start engaging, start providing mm -hmm. value, start creating content, that kind of thing. Let me tell you, do you know how many times I have offered for guest posts on my site? Nobody responds to me. Wow. And I'm like, I'm sitting here again, calling out to my audience. And I think there is this fear. I'm like, unless people just don't want to, <laughs> I don't think that's it. And I understand I do guest posting for a couple sites and it's, it is time consuming, bear with me because I have been on this content bent, but I'm sitting here saying, look, I've got a platform, right? I want to share you with my audience. And there are a lot of people that could provide value and it's an exposure for them. Yet people don't take you up on it. It's bizarre to me, you know, but I, think uh, I love fear. I think there is. And, and, and here's, I'm a very, very, very big proponent of starting small, proving like a message to market match before you go into this big, huge, like cave of like, I'm going to build this program. I'm going to create this massively big product. And then you get it out there and nobody buys it because you didn't start small. And I'll use the example of a book. I'm actually working on a book right now. It's called From Prison to Prosperity. And there's a, there's a page up now called from prison to prosperity.com. There's a short mini documentary about my prison story. And so what I did is initially I was going to write this big, long 250, 300 page book, right? But I, I kind of took a step back and applied what my wife and I do in our 
businesses or whenever we have an idea. And that is instead of me spending all this time writing this big book that I don't really know how well it's going to be received. I don't know, you know, are people going to eat it up? Is there going to, you know, there's a whole lot of what if. So what I decided to do was to create a shorter version, you know, 15,000, 20,000 Kindle ebook version and launch it out at like two ninety nine. Get it out there. Get people interacting with the content. Test the idea and then take feedback. Like what about it did people like? What would people like to see more of? All of those kind of things instead of you know spending like six to nine months of my life writing a book and then it flopping. And I think there's two benefits to that. One, obviously, you can get things out there a little bit faster and more concentrated. And then second, for the entrepreneurs listening and, and for most of us, that – when you go through this big, long process of, you know, this big intricate thing and then it flops, it, you, it, you internalize it, it, you know, you begin to, you know, feel, you know, that you're a failure, all of these other things. And I think this alleviates it. This helps to kind of get some of those micro victories. Oh my God. I love the micro victories. And I, I'm <laughs> guessing, so let me, let me ask you this. Like when you guys did the done for you, because I've seen this so many times where you're working with a client and it's like, they spend so much time on the site and business cards and their program <laughs> and everything. And then I go back in six months, I'm like, you haven't written a blog post. And I, I think it's because there are so many different mediums and so much noise coming at us that somehow that 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 core has kind of gotten fallen apart. I'm like, if you want a long-term business, you are going to have to create content. You need to provide value. And, and so, and here's the funny thing is in following that, like you're talking about, right? As I, I'm looking at doing some overhauling to my business, nothing hugely major, but at the same time, I'm obsessed with content strategy right now and how to convert that, right? And how to really drive that. And so I've really started stepping into that with blog posts or then shifting up even my email marketing. And I have to tell you, I have gotten more responses in a week with with that focus, because I'm testing it, and I'm applying it, and I'm coming from a place of sharing. And, and so like, as you're saying that, you know, it, it's those little micro victories are huge when you when you create a post, and all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I don't know who this person is, but they're sharing it and saying, you know, oh, look, even Kim Doyle says content's important, which is hysterical. I'm like, it's me, <laughs> right? But, but the point is, again, like doing that. So for you guys, you know, is there when you're working with somebody, and you see them doing that, right? Or like, we need to change the pixels in this color, but it, the stuff that we get obsessed about is crazy. Where, how do you get that them to pivot there, right? Or they get so caught up and well, I need everything done first. I, I can't, for some reason, I, I'll be working with somebody. I'm like, would you just create the Facebook page? Just start creating value mm. and sharing while you're building this out or that, or, or just start, put up a squeeze page. Quick little story. I had this course that I did with my friend John Prez. It was sell with WordPress. I put up a, a coming soon page like a year before we launched that. <laughs> I had a list, right? And that's the point. It's like, look, I got market validation while we were doing it and life gets in the way. But, you know, how do you get people to pivot and take that step? Because I do think it's fear that gets in the way of somebody showing up and saying, all right, world, I'm going to do this. So there's a, there's a couple of things. I think the, the the first thing is is what you're saying is so important to the people that are listening. And so when we work with a client and they come with us and they're focused on getting $5,000 on a photo shoot and $10,000 on a website and I need to get a logo and I need graphics and I need this and I got to buy new outfits for the photo shoot, we say, none of those things are going to make you money right now. Mm -hmm. So 
We need to focus on what my wife and I like to call the fastest path to revenue. That's where we want to focus. What is going to start bringing in money or at least start building an audience like you shared while you're developing X, Y, or Z in the back end? And I'll use an example. My wife and I, anytime we get an idea around a product, and this is in the e-commerce space, but it works everywhere. Anytime we might get an idea like, wow, that'd be a really cool product. Instead of spending $5,000 and graphics and all of this stuff to put a site up and all of these different things to get it out there, what we'll do is we'll start like a Facebook page and just see how hot is this audience? Like how responsive are they? How well are they working? And, and one, the very first product we ever did, we threw up a Facebook page. We were really excited about the idea. Like we had thought – Wow, this is there's no way this is not going to be hot. But we, we also are brilliant. Knew, yeah, that's what we thought, right? And a lot of folks get get they they kind of get hoodwinked and they think they're extremely brilliant and then the market says you're not really that smart. So so what we totally. did is we put our egos aside and we said, you know what? We think this is awesome, but let's not be stupid enough to just run with it and just think because we think it's cool, everybody else will. So we put up a Facebook page, and in six weeks, we had like 21,000 likes, and it was a fanatical audience. They were sharing our posts and pages, and we were like, okay, we got it. But the thing Let is – Let me ask is, you this. Was that all organic or was that paid traffic too? It was it was a mix of both. Um, I to be honest, I think we were spending five bucks a day on Facebook ads, like very very so minimal cheap clicks. Cheap clicks, very awesome. very cheap because it was so niche. I think we were paying like one to five cents for like page likes. And what happened is is once it started growing, the number of shares organically grew it, and it just and it just started growing. And so that it did one it did two things and this is really really important for people listening that success like that proved to us that it worked enough that we would not second guess when it came time to start pulling a trigger we had evidence to show it as opposed to if we would have just put the product out there every little minor hiccup would have made a second guess if this is a good idea or not. Well, and you built an audience. So, uh, yes, you needed to drive those those likes to, uh, you know, an email opt-in at some point, you know, but a, a good friend of mine, Trey Llewellyn, does that, and he teaches that all day long. First, go do your research on the market, and like literally go to the bookstore, look at mag, like do a bunch yep. of stuff, right, to get that validation, and then take it online, and there's the next step. And it, it it's so important to do that because – the other piece is when you start doing that and, and you start getting those likes and engagements and comments and shares, you can see what piece is is drawing your audience the most, right? Like Exactly. Yeah, I've got a friend doing that right now and awesome niche. We came up with this. And so like we're kind of playing around with I'm not gonna give it away, but like different different sort of subcategories within this niche to see what's gonna drive it most. And again, five, ten bucks a day. Or, you know, you go set up some some Google alerts and, and you get, you know, keywords and posts and content and people get so afraid of, for some reason, of sharing other people's stuff. I'm like, all it's going to do is is create a massive level of trust with you and your audience when you say, hey, I didn't create this. This isn't mine, but it's a value to you. Exactly. I, I totally agree. And it, man, if, if for everybody listening, like if that is the only thing that you take away, what we're talking about of that, that proven it's small, it will really, really transform how you do online business and it will save you so much time and so much headache and frustration. I love that, Mike. So l- let me ask you this. So since you guys, you've worked with a lot of online business owners, is there outside of what we just talked about, is there something specific you see people doing that if they just stopped or shifted directions would make a difference in their business? 
Uh, I would probably flip it the other way. Here's the thing that I don't see people do, and oh, it's have focus. It. It's what? It's it's have focus. Like there's so much noise, right? Like you know, there's there's so many tools and opportunities that are out there. You know, there's Facebook, there's this one's program, there's that one's program, and what we find is that people don't ever focus on one thing long enough to carry it through to get some results, to get some data. They start and then they stop it and then they pick up the next thing. And what happens is they just flop from one thing to the next because they never focused and never committed to carry one thing through. You know what? I joke around all the time that my business took off like at year five um, because I decided to show up as myself. However, Mm. when I started the WordPress, I had no idea where it was going, but I stuck with it. Which is why I have a brand and an audience today. Do you know what I'm saying? And and so Certainly. I want people to hear like it doesn't take five years. But the point is, it was it took me that long to stand up and, and show up as myself. And like I pulled my name into the brand and just a lot of that. But I I mean I've got friends that you know were further along than I was when I got started, but they're kind of in the same position again because it's just focusing. And you know like I hear a lot of people will say like. As an example, I think affiliate, as you're getting started, if you're, if you're creating content and you're building a relationship, you can create affiliate income. It's for things that you recommend and use, right? And so, like, I say that all the time. People are like, yeah, but, you know, you don't get paid from affiliate income. I'm like, yeah, but that 30 days, that 60 days is going to pass whether you do it or not. Right. Mm. And so my point is, it's like, if it's providing value and it's, it's getting you there, you may have to do some of those things. Like, I love the Craigslist story. Seriously, you guys are like, look, <laughs> we're going to do what we have to do for cash flow while we're building this. So, you know, when I talk about websites and whatnot, there was a long time where I was like, I don't want to do these anymore. And I'll bring clients in to, to work with still. I don't create the sites, but I do the consulting piece of it. But there's a long time where I was like, I am done. I don't want to do this anymore. But yep. it was cash flow. And the cash flow was more important than giving up on this business. I would totally agree. And and yeah, so the affiliate side of things is, is extremely important, especially for folks, you know, that are looking, you know, to get going or transition like from a working job to, you know, to doing the online entrepreneur thing. And you need cash, like you need, you know, money coming in and whether you do it for like Robin and I did with, you know, doing Craigslist and funding the business that way or you do it, you know, by utilizing, you know, affiliate opportunities and stuff. And I'll tell you, I know a lot of guys online that do strictly affiliate marketing and do multiple six figures a month doing stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, you know, like I have a few um, affiliate streams that <laughs> I, and I'm like, what would this look like, Kim, if you really focused on this? However, <laughs> it's, it's when I've created content and videos around it and it, they're just tools I use. That's kind of my, I would, I don't want to say half-ass approach, but affiliate income is not my primary goal. But when I, when I find a tool that I love and use, I create tutorials and posts and content around it. And then I just keep getting paid every month. You exactly. Know? Absolutely. And that's kind of a model my wife and I follow. You know, the affiliate isn't like a big thing, but there are a couple of tools. And, and I would say one of them is lead pages. We just, you know, we love lead pages. We know the guys that built it. You know, we've been there since the ground up and it's a great tool. And it's something that, you know what? We're going to recommend this to our audience anyway because it's so awesome and it's going to help them. Why not, you know, become an affiliate of it? So it just makes sense. It it totally does. I'm the same way actually with the Thrive Content Builder. They're landing pages and I've got lead pages too. I'm always testing those things. But, <laughs> for sure. But when I look at, you know, for me, I, I pay attention to what Thrive's doing. I'm like, God, they create so much content and are testing conversions. And But I'm like, God, what would that look like if you did an update on Thrive every single week? That would yep. fast, you know, grow quick. Anyways, we're totally getting sidetracked. Um, so tell me what's on the horizon for you and Robin. Like where, where's your business going into 2016? 
Well, one of the things is, um, as I shared earlier, you know, Funnel Fanatics is really going to be our big bullseye. Like that's going to be our main hub of, you know, driving folks into that. It's going to be something we update continuously. And then from there, I think we're going to be doing a lot of like more intimate. We like working with folks on more of a, you know, intimate one-on-one basis, you know, so we're looking at doing some, probably some higher end masterminds come 2016, where we get like a, probably a 15,000 square foot mansion, bring in 10 folks for a very intimate kind of strategic as well as implementation business thing. And then her and I are also doing um, the e-commerce space is something we've been kind of getting into this whole year of 15 and we've kind of honed our skills and it's a lot of fun. We can just kind of just get going and get an idea, test it, get some stuff out there and have a lot of fun with it. So those are kind of like the two main things that we're really working on coming into the new year. That's awesome. It's so funny. I am looking at doing kind of a similar retreat around content and podcasting um, and e-commerce. I've got a lot of friends that are just, it's this great cash flow. And, you know, I know myself, though, when it comes to focus, it's like, all right, just that's on the horizon. (laughs) Um, But no, God, that's awesome. So, and you know, I have to say that for everybody listening, first of all, of course, all the links to anything that Mike has mentioned, the website, the Funnel Fanatics, all of that will be in the show notes. Um, But it, it's it's a very reasonable investment your funnel fanatics course too i you know because there's a i think a lot of people I, and again i have no idea where the trajectory for internet marketing is going i mean there's you see a ton of people i feel like continuity is coming back and i feel that people are tired of high ticket and then people are like no do high ticket and it's just <laughs> i honestly i'm like just do what feels right to you you know something i agree right if it resonates and it's value and you know, and you want to test something, whatever, it's, it's okay. And you can raise the price as the value goes up or you feel stronger. Just turn all that noise off and do what feels right for you. <laughs> Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. Like just, you know, you, and you just have to do, you know, what, like you should, what feels right for you. And the, the funnel fanatics was really something that my wife and I worked on probably for about a year, just seeing a lot of inefficiencies in the market. Like, you know, things that, you know, people would get, Facebook ads from this person or they'd get like webinar training here or email from here. But there was no one place where all things funnel were contained. And that's why we said we're going to we're going to put this together. It took us a while. We spent a long time building just a membership site alone. took us a while to build the back end as well as create the content. And the cool thing about I really think for the folks listening is it's ongoing. So we will be updating it constantly. So as things change, as new things come on the scene, you know, Facebook just announced Instagram ads and then they just announced some new targeting options. These are things that we're doing and then we will be teaching based on our usage of them and results we get and what's working and what's not. God, that's awesome. I I absolutely love that. And I dig, I really dig that, you know, it's it's kind of a signature course and a signature training. And there is something about, because to me, that sort of creates your cash flow business also, while you're obviously doing what you love and providing value, but it's when you pick that thing and you're like, this is what I want to do. And and not that you don't have other extensions of your business, um, but I think that's fantastic. God, Mike, it has been such a pleasure talking with you today. (laughs) Definitely. It seems like we just keep going, you know, chatting and chatting and keep going. I know. I know. I got to tell the audience, I've got this stand-up desk and I'm like, I'm like kind of been paid. I'm like, this is great. Like, I feel like I like could go run now. This is fantastic. Um, before we go, Mike, where is the best place for people to connect with you? Um, I'd probably say just, you know, our main site, marketingyourpurpose.com. That's like where our uh, main hangout is. And um, the other thing for everybody that's listening, um, if they want to, you know, kind of learn more about the prison side of my story and stuff, that's also you can go to fromprisontoprosperity.com. 
Yep. God, thanks, Mike. And again, everybody, all the links will be in the show notes. Um, so be sure to go to the post. You can check all that out. Again, Mike, thank you so much. It's just been awesome chatting with you today. Well, well, thanks for having me. I totally enjoyed it. Okay, do you see what I mean? I must say that at the end of every interview, like, because I try to set this up and I'm like, do you see what I mean? And Mike was one of the first interviews I did where I, I think I told you guys I have that Vera desk and I stood up and it was like, I could not stand still when I was talking to him. It was so, um, it was inspiring and just his, his heart's in the right place. And it sounds like, you know, he's, his goal now at this point is to help just as many people as he can. So I hope you enjoyed that. You can go to the WPChick.com forward slash Mike P and that's M I K E P letter P all lowercase. Uh, and Mike and Robin um, have a, have a download for you guys, but you know, make sure to connect with him on social and say hi. And again, just keep this in perspective. You know, we, we all have those good days and bad days. Um, but to hear someone who has kind of taken tragedy to triumph or, you know, challenge struggle, we all make mistakes and to turn it around, that's really what life's all about. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't uh, left a review on iTunes yet, I'd love it. Um, so go ahead and head over there. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much, guys. I love you tons. Have an awesome day and we'll chat with you next time.